Welcome, Jays fans, to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast, whiteandbluereview.com's regular podcast. We've got the Blue Jay Beat that we're doing after all these men's basketball games with Matt DeMoranis and his friend John Neatower from the Omaha World Herald. But this is the OG podcast. This is our original. This is the Blue Jays Bites podcast, and uh, I am Bryant Ott. I write as Creighton Otter on whiteandbluereview.com. I'm joined tonight by Matt DeMarinas and Joey Tempo. Gentlemen, say hello. Hello. Hi, guys. <laughs> wow. Super pumped to be here, aren't you, Matt? Yeah, we are pumped. Wow. <laughs> uh, hello. I, I, follow, I, follow, I follow instructions. I know. You're you're a busy man. You're a you're a podcasting fool. You and John's pieces after all these Jays home uh, home and away games, more home than away at this point, but um, have been a really nice uh, addition to the local coverage here of Creighton men's basketball. Yeah. So we'll get to the Jays uh, a little bit. Your five and one Blue Jays, your nationally ranked Blue Jays, big road game. This week, out in Spokane against the Gonzaga Bulldogs. But first, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't start with a little recruiting uh, banter, right, Joey? We've got some uh, some stuff on the hot stove, I guess. It's hot stove season, baseball-wise. But um, what do you got for us? What are we looking at? I know things have been a little bit quiet on the recruiting front here, but uh, what can you clue us into? What are you What are you hearing? What are you seeing? And all the stuff that you track. Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, uh, Jay signed a couple uh, players here in the, the fall for the class of 2018. Um, obviously missing from that class was a guy they put a lot of work into, and Ian Steer, who ended up decommitting and going to NC State, and we know that story. Decommitting uh, so, and going to NC State and getting hurt, by the way. Yeah, he is Yikes. He is. Uh, uh, going to be out for a little while, which is, which is too bad because he's an explosive player, so you wonder if that's going to put him back, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, so Creighton has a big, big hole to fill. They they need another, uh, you know, another forward, um, uh, you know, power forward, uh, somebody, somebody to 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 go along with Epperson down the road for the on the front line. So uh, they've been kind of kind of fighting their time, kind of seeing what was out there. I mean, in reality, they had to reassess the whole landscape of you know the bigs in the 2018 uh, class to see who fit their style. Uh, mutual interest who was available uh, and I learned uh, over the last couple of days that uh, next week during the uh, weekend of the Nebraska Cornhusker game at home uh, Creighton will have 2018 uh, Australian power forward uh, Sam Frawling a four-star player from Australia in on campus that weekend uh, mm. he is the younger brother uh, younger brother of Harry Frawling uh, who is a uh, Marquette transfer uh, he has transferred to Marquette from SMU uh, and he's sitting out right now. He'll be eligible at uh, midseason break. Um, Sam uh, is a uh, six foot nine, six foot ten, uh, skilled forward. Uh, he uh, is rather thin in some of the videos I've seen of him play. Uh, he was involved with uh, the the Nike Global Hoops event uh, over the summer and kind of blew up at that event. Uh, a lot of scouts uh, and coaches obviously knew his uh, older brother, who was a you know top hundred type player. Uh, in 2016, and so they had Sam on their radar, uh, but he performed very well at this uh, this Global Hoops event that Nike puts on uh, and was kind of one of the players to watch. Uh, he's left-handed, uh, and as I said, kind of, uh, you know, scores uh, below the basket, a decent, perimeter, a decent mid-range game, uh, but definitely somebody who runs the floor very well, attacks the rim, uh, decent uh, stroke from the free throw line. So obviously somebody that when you watch a video of him playing, you could see him fitting right into what Creighton wants to get from their four. 
Uh, I think he could definitely work a little bit on his outside shot. I wouldn't necessarily call him a sniper from three, uh, but he's very, very skilled, um, runs the floor well, kind of, you know, kind of what Creighton would want, especially at this late in the game uh, from a forward. So I think that's the player that Creighton has keyed in on. Um, he, uh, Sam still is in Australia for schooling, uh, which his high school career will be over in December. Uh, there is a little talk that maybe he would uh, commit and then uh, enroll in campus or enroll in school early and come uh, at midseason break uh, just to kind of be with the team in the spring. Obviously, I don't think he could play or practice with the team, but just kind of be on campus and, 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 and go about it like that. I don't think he's going to take that route, but I, I think that's available to him since his high school season gets done in, in, in the um, – in the spring, uh, obviously he knows Creighton's Jacob Epperson, who's also from Australia, plays on the same kind of elite teams uh, in the country over there. Um, and and yeah, I think that uh, obviously bringing in a recruit like that for a position of need uh, for the Nebraska game specifically uh, signals the kind of intent that Creighton's um, number one prospect right now is Sam Frawling for 2018. Well, he'd be silly, be silly to pass up. Uh, summer in Australia to summer come to winter in Nebraska, so I don't blame him for not enrolling if he were to make that choice or anywhere in the States. But no, it's really Good interesting. Point. I mean, um, how many left-handed, skinny left-handed Australians can one team collect on its roster uh, is my first thought. But, um, no, I mean. Well, if you just keep cycling them in year after year, that yeah, you make the first skinny Australian big, and then the next one comes in and he's skinny, so it's like. Isn't that just, see, that's how St. Yeah. Mary's ended up being like perpetually ranked as a quote unquote mid major for a while, right? They would just bring in a bunch of feisty guards from from uh, Australia and elsewhere, and and just make their hay that way, right? Right. Get that international yeah. flavor going. Yeah, I mean, can't can't you just see an Aussie, 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 oi, 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 cry going out <laughs> in the CenturyLink in a couple years with with two twin towers from Australia running the floor? Uh, Creighton the, had proposed maybe a, a Filipino takeover uh, moving forward, but maybe it's maybe it's more Australia than, than the Philippines. I was so, going to say, uh, we need a bunch of people to start watching our YouTube videos again. I mean, we yeah. were getting thousands <laughs> of viewers in the Philippines. Matt was, going on, Matt was going on CNN International over there, on <laughs> sports segments. I mean, we need, we need this Aussie love. I mean, we, we yeah. also probably need a white review recruiting trip to australia obviously maybe in the in the winter here so oh we boy. can you know check stuff out in the in the summertime over there but just yeah, like maybe. sponsor sponsor a basketball <laughs> camp or something like that right, right. <laughs> come back with scotty the, reports for the we've got a white blue like, review banner that i think darren used to sponsor some little league baseball team at some point so maybe we could roll there that boy out and get going though um what else on yeah, the recruit front, Joe? Anything like any yeah. perspectives there for? I mean, just looking at this kid online a little bit. I mean, it's quite the usual suspects, at least on you know, look at Scout or some of those other places. And we're talking, you know, Arizona in the mix listed, Indiana, St. Mary's is on there, Shock, um, Wichita State. Some of these complete team lists. I mean, it's pretty exhaustive at this point, but. What gives you, um, I guess, maybe confidence that Creighton would be in the mix for a kid like this? Yeah, so bring, bringing him in when they are, I, I think this will be his first his first official visit. Um, and uh, and if you if you continue to read down, kind of go back earlier in the, the 2017 year, um, another team in on him was New Mexico. 
Uh, and the consistent between the two is obviously Coach Huss, uh, who ha- through his Lalu days, uh, La Lumiere, uh, has developed quite the global network of scouting and uh, you know connections between international players. And I think that's something that we're going to see Creighton get a little bit more involved in as as Martin continues to have success. And then with Jacob, I think you'll see Creighton really hit the international stage a little bit harder. Um, and, and that's something that's uh, Coach Huss's forte. So um, I think that those two in particular have a very good relationship. I think he obviously can get a firsthand account of how things are at Creighton in, re- in reality with uh, from Jacob Epperson. And then, God, his brother plays uh, up at Marquette. Yeah. So uh, wh- while you think, uh, you know, um, maybe some of these other schools – uh, maybe a little bit on more on the West Coast, maybe more similar to Australia's, uh, you know, climate or, or culture, or what, whatever you have. Uh, I mean, you know, his brother's going to compete in the Big East, and I could just see the FS1 uh, promos right now of, of the Frawling brothers going at it. I mean, it just kind of writes itself. So I, I think that the intent, uh, at least from some of the other uh, prospects that Creighton was going after, uh, at this point, have kind of simmered down, and and Creighton's definitely turned up the heat on 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 falling. So, uh, I think that that's clearly, at least from Creighton's standpoint, the guy that they want. So, a good turnout, a good a good event at at, at the CenturyLink for Nebraska. I think uh, you know I think we'll have a pretty good shot at at uh, at um yeah at getting his commitment. Um, and, and honestly, like when you look at what Creighton's doing at the wing position right now with the freshmen in Tyshawn and Mitch. Uh, you know, it kind of makes sense that they can at least, maybe not slow play recruiting, but swing for the fences on big time targets with, you know, their future kind of intact. When you have, when you talk about, um, you know, Tyshawn, what he's been able to do, uh, both fluctuating back and forth with the point guard and the off guard, and obviously uh, Mitchell Ballack, and then you know both of them winning freshman of the week back to back. Then you have Marcus Zagorowski and Christian Bishop coming in at wings positions in 2018, uh, point guard and wing. So, you know, Creighton kind of has a luxury right now with their future looking pretty good, both in the present and um, with the present and as freshmen and with the freshmen coming in next year, uh, that they can kind of just go after the big targets and not necessarily be in, um, you know, desperate to just find anyone to fill a role type of type of position. Yeah, but I mean, they definitely have a hole at the four. I mean, they need they need somebody to come in and and at least occupy that roster spot for a, a couple of years. So while, while they can still play, and I think they will, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's definitely the, also the incentive to say, Hey, look, we have these pieces set here for years. Uh, you know, we have a core that we can build around Tyshawn and Mitch and Jacob. Uh, we need that final piece, you know, in a couple of years to be that, that, that power forward stretch four guy. And I think that, um, that they can sell that to, to Sam. They can, if, if Sam decides to look elsewhere or, or gets wooed by Arizona, I mean, they're, they're, you're right. They're in no rush to have to fill that position. I mean, Martin's still young. Um, sophomore. Know. Yeah, He's I mean, sophomore. Exactly. So I mean, they they'll have time to to fill it. They don't need to to hop on the next six foot nine kid uh, yeah. like we have in the past. They'll, they'll 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 do their due diligence. That said, Creighton's a hot name in college basketball right now. They play a fun style. Uh, you know, some in some circles they're the, one of the cooler schools, which Creighton hasn't been for a long time. They need to strike while the iron's hot. So I hope that this works. They're out. Heat- they're hip. They're hip hop. Hip hop. Hip hop anonymous. 
another guy, I just want to kind of get it through some of the questions people were talking to me about. Another guy that I kind of put out there that we were looking at was Evan Bordeaux. He's a uh, grad transfer from Dartmouth. We just actually a, looked just at a Evan. really nice Bordeaux, like a really yeah. nice, just really <laughs> nice I mean, Bordeaux. That well would work aged, too. Well aged. He, 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 he's going to graduate. He's going to graduate early and have two years to play as a grad transfer. So he can play right away. He'll have two years to play. Um, and initially I know Creighton looked at him at a high school, kind of a garbage man type player, uh, maybe an undersized. But you were going to say forward. he's kind of garbage. <laughs> yeah. oh. No, no, no. He's, he's got a good game, but he does kind of the little things at a, at a school like Dartmouth. He really put in some big numbers, but, uh, uh, he's the kind of guy that just, you know, hustles for loose balls, kind of a lunch pail type power forward in college basketball. Like a Ricky um, Kreklow kind of guy, or no, different. I, I would say, I would say, um, gosh, that is not how I remember Ricky Kreklow. But let's yeah, go. I mean, uh, diving all over the floor. Not okay, a bigger that's body. Fair. I would say, uh, <clears throat> uh, gosh, comparison. I, nah, I want to say like a Bonzi Colson, kind of an undersized guy. Obviously not as Jesus. good as Bonzi Whoa. Colson. Yeah, okay. yeah. Whoa. yeah, we'll yes, take him. I'll get Bonzi right. Colson. I'm, I'm, I'm talking <laughs> undersized uh, how, do I, who, how do I do this? Like, uh, no, like, a, like, a, no, like, a, like Carl Malone. <laughs> <laughs> undersized the story, a little bit. Point of the story is I, I, I don't think Creighton's in play for him, so we're not going to get the Bonzi Colson 2.0. Well, that was a horrible team. Well, thanks a lot, Joey. Now you might as well be garbage. Well, I know I know. I know Creighton reached out to him. Um, again, they recruited him out of high school, so they already had an in. Um, but um, uh, I, I just think that Creighton's looking elsewhere, and they're they're not going to uh, maybe devote the kind of attention that he might require because he's going to have everybody in the country, and especially in the Midwest, every Big Ten school, a lot of Pac-12 schools are going to start looking at him uh, because he's got two years to play, and he's an experienced, uh, proven scorer and rebounder in college basketball. So he's going to have his list of, of suitors. And again, Creighton has uh, an extra scholarship for this year that we can use mid-year. So hmm. um, if somebody if somebody else were to drop out of, of a power you know a power school, uh, I, I guarantee you Creighton's going to get involved because they have scholarship. Like Marvin, like Marvin Bagley, if he doesn't like Duke. Or hey, something. that works. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what what I mean, one guy that I I, I just continually come back to, but uh, SMU's Semi Olaje from Duke a couple years ago. That sure. guy was so good. Transferred out of Duke because he wasn't getting playing time from all these f- fabulous freshmen coming in. Mm-hmm. So I mean, any you know those kind of guys hit the hit the mid year market every once in a while. And if you're one of the schools that is an attractive de- destination for somebody like that that didn't work out at a big program, and you have a scholarship open, which not many schools do right now, uh, it really does reduce the the schools you're competing with. So I think Creighton's really going to be active in, in looking at some of the. Uh, you know, maybe uh, four or five star guys that are leaving school mid year, which there's always 40 or 50 kids uh, that just didn't like their first, you know, couple of months of school or first year and a half of school. So I look for Crane to be involved in those guys. When I, you know, they'll, they'll, if somebody available, if somebody becomes available that they like, I'm sure they'll go after them, but they really do need help on the front line more than anything. So look for some of those bigger bigs on the market to be the guys that Crane will look after. Interesting. Who asked the, who asked the question about the transfer? Um. Uh, let me see here. Make up some sort of like punny Jays based. Uh, <laughs> so it's 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 the Let's Go Jays Twitter account, the Mike Creighton no. account. No. That's probably well, just Matt. Matt just he also runs ha- that. He, yeah, he probably does. It's it's my alter ego actually. 
Um, he also asked. He, he also asked about uh, Omaha Burke Sharif Mitchell. Have you guys seen him play? Uh, in summer league, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, what do you think? He looks like he's just got like a natural gifted ability to score the basketball. Um, That's Alvin Mitchell's like, kid, right? Is that Alvin I Mitchell's so. kid? Are you saying that right? I don't know if it's Alvin. Is it something else? Maybe. Well, I, the Alvin Mitchell that played at Burke yes, when I yes, was in high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah, he yeah, went to UNL? Cincinnati. Yeah, and then UNL. Yeah. Played, yeah, yeah, it's his kid, yes. Damn. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That guy could score. I'm dating myself here, but that guy could score. Yeah, no, I knew. I didn't know. I knew his dad played at UNO and, and at Cincinnati. Is that what it was? I think he went to Cincinnati out of Burke and yeah, then went yeah. to UNO later. But Yep, it's his kid. And so Damn. Creighton, he's a 2018. The, Reclassified, right? He's, he, his, problem is, yeah, his problem is he's a little undersized. So right. what, what, what a lot of the schools, a lot of NBC schools, obviously UNO, looked at him in the 2018 class. They want him in there 2018. But, I, you know, Creighton really likes Sharif. And they were hoping he would reclassify to 2019, maybe free up a little bit more of the congestion from some of the guards they've taken lately. Uh, and he's going to go to prep school and then look for Creighton to you guys to you offer guys. him and then him to be a Creighton Blue Jay. I really like this kid. I think he's perfect fit for what they want to do. Um, his his knocks are that he's a little undersized. They don't really know what position he translates to um, on the college level, but. The kid gets at it, so he's I like think a, if, he's just a bucket getter, like flat out. He he he's and if he can beef up a little bit, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's definitely somebody somebody I think Creighton will be ecstatic to get. You know, I mean, I th- I think he'll reclassify and probably go to a prep school out east. And the concern with that is so you know, like, Kyrie, like, like 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 Kyrie send him to a prep school in Australia, and then he'll come here. <laughs> <laughs> just stash him. Well, you know, him. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's going to go to that prep school that Kyrie went to, or or one of the ones in New England, like the Brewsters or the. Oh sure. No, no, nah, like, right. We don't want to go to Brewster. Yeah, because those. I mean, those are the schools that he'll really blow up at. But again, I think that I think that from what I've heard, Sharif likes Creighton. That's his number one school, other than like a Duke or something. He wants to come to Creighton, and Creighton other wants than, him in 2019. Who's this? So, Duke, so, who's this Duke you speak of? Look for that to happen, okay? Just, just FYI. I think so that's... I just want to talk about, just real quick, this is all full circle type shit, but so Alvin Mitchell, his dad, was a standout at Burke, could straight score, originally signed with Nebraska, ended up on a, he played for a, a, a JUCO title winning team at Indian Hills, which is an amazing junior college uh, basketball yeah. program. And then he went mm-hmm. to Cincinnati, uh, played in the NCAA tournament in 1999, for uh, the Bearcats, and then transferred to UNO to play for Coach Kevin McKenna. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and the reason why he left Cincinnati was the birth of his son that we are now talking about. So that's wow. I mean, coming full circle itself. type stuff right there. It writes itself. I mean, Courtesy of I, a 2001 you know. article from the Sioux City Journal, it writes itself, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I don't remember all that. I just knew his dad was a straight baller at Burke. And, I thought it was coming from memory. You fooled me. So no, I mean the Nebraska part. I even forgot too. But anyway, we don't need to talk about them. So yeah, I know. Right. look, 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 watch, watch for that name to drop. Definitely a guy Creighton. Uh, Creighton has high hopes for. So um, interesting. Um, yeah, look for that to come under. So yeah, I like that kid. That's kind of what I got on. He kind of reminds me of like a little a little Cavell Witter. He's like in his in his body type, I guess. You know, I, really... I I've actually heard he's he's actually 
he's gotten a little bit bigger, not just muscular wise, but actually I think he's grown a little bit too. Yeah, so, he's definitely got some growing to do because he's yeah, long. He's like he, a skinny, long dude. Yeah, he's like, like he's, it looks like the like the legs are a little longer than the torso and all that stuff. Like I think the last time he was measured more last coming. year at Burke, he was like six foot, maybe six one. By her I heard now he's at least six one, six two. So if he continues to grow and kind of gets that, you know, that Ky- not you know, not Kyrie body, but that you know, he can play the wing in the big east. I think mm-hmm. that that'll that'll sell it for, so for not just Creighton, maybe he, a lot of schools. He's a did you, this is his junior season coming up right now? This is his senior season oh, at season, Burke. Season. Okay. Yeah, he's a senior at Burke. He'll be he'll be reclassified. He said he's gonna reclassify, go twenty to go to the class of twenty nineteen for recruiting, go to a prep school. Um and then um hopefully Creighton can stash him away somewhere and then Australia. Uh, get him to commit. It's, yeah, there there you go. Right. Do they test for PEDs in high school? <laughs> In Australia? I don't know. Uh, yeah, especially in Australia. Obviously not if all the Australians coming over weigh 210 pounds, Matt. So <laughs> clearly, yeah, they probably was, not. They clearly. Actually, they probably did, they probably I, know they don't, I know they don't in Russia. Maybe we should send them over there. Right. <laughs> now, look, Russian love, kid love that kid. From? Love that kid. Watch him. You know, Drago. watch that kid's name. The Russian, Russian, from Russia, Sharif. Uh, what? <laughs> that doesn't, that's, yeah. I question that. All right. Um. Well, Joey, you're more than welcome to hang out and, and chat as we segue to uh, the biggest story uh, on campus right now. Um, hottest ticket in Omaha, got to be, right, Matt? Oh, right, right. We got, we yeah. got the first and second round host national number nine seed Creighton Blue Jay volleyball program bringing Matt DeMarinas's, uh prophecies to life with their first ever uh, hosting uh, in the NCAA tournament, just mm-hmm. a big deal all around. I know you and I ran into each other at the viewing party, session at the session room on Sunday night. Great to see the Jays come up so early in those national uh, in the national seeds, and just you kind of felt like that huge roar was also a collective sigh of relief when they got that up on the big board. Talk to me. I know you talked to Coach Booth and everybody that night. What was the collective? You know, aside from them being super excited, what was kind of the collective feeling? amongst the group about, you know, work to still to do and taking that time to celebrate it though. And all that kind of stuff that plays a part. Honestly, I don't think just, just from talking to, you know, people here and there, coaches, players, things like that. I don't think they were all that surprised. I think the, the surprise would have been if they weren't one of the top 16 seeds. So sure. um, maybe nine, I guess the number was maybe the surprising part because sorry, they figured they'd be in the, maybe the 11 to 14, 15 range type of deal. Um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting. Cause, I mean, the NCAA, these selection shows have been so weird. Like going back two years ago when, you know, Creighton pops up as a 16 seed and it's like, wait, what they're hosting. Oh no, they're getting sent to the chat. Wait, why? And then they sent, you know, the room that we go into for the damage control and Rass is waiting. And it's like, Oh, this is weird. And then last year when they wanted to host, um, went on the, you know, ripped through the Big East, didn't lose a match, you know, felt they were going with a lot of momentum and didn't get to host just because they didn't have, you know, a beefy non-conference win to beef up their resume uh, versus this year when they had a plethora of the beefy non-conference wins, including um, one over Kentucky, which was um, announced as a top four seed uh, half an hour before the selection show. Uh, knocking Nebraska out of that top four group, which sent shockwaves both negative to Lincoln and positive to Omaha, thinking, well, if a top four seed in Kentucky is in there and we swept them, that's probably a good sign. 
Uh, a lot of them when Lincoln was kind of stewing over the fact that they were a two seed. They were the number two overall seed two months ago, and then or a month ago, and then when the NCAA committee released their top ten, and then somehow they dropped out on the top four by not going, not not, not losing a single match. So, um, yeah, I mean, Creighton was just pretty much like they felt like everything was kind of falling into place, but they knew they struggled down the stretch. They, you know, they dropped, they got swept at Villanova. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously got steamrolled at Marquette. So it wasn't the same kind of um, October and November that they had a year ago, uh, but they put it all together. You know, they, they, they regrouped in Milwaukee. They beat Butler. Who's a very good team that a team that probably should have been in the NIT had they accepted a bid, but they didn't. So mm-hmm. that's on them. Um, but they were definitely a postseason worthy team and, and a dangerous one at that. And they, uh, they beat Villanova uh, to get payback there. Um, and then obviously beat Marquette in that five set thriller in Milwaukee to kind of take the rubber match. And I think that pretty much sealed the deal when you just talk about the resume. I mean, you look at the, a win on the road at Kansas, a win on the road at Washington, um, a win a sweep of Kentucky. They beat Northern Iowa who beat Nebraska. Uh, they went two and one against Marquette. Uh, 2-0 against a Butler team that was probably on the bubble. You know, just things like that. It was kind of hard to ignore that resume that, you know, throughout the year, even though they stumbled here and there and it wasn't as dominant um, of a stretch as it was a year ago, there was still, um, you know, enough for them to have a solid resume to be a solid seed and a solid host. Uh, The region they got... Not, I mean, it's probably not an easy one for a nine seed when you look at the fact that they probably have the toughest first, second round regional when you look at Michigan State, Missouri State. Yeah. Who, Missouri, when you talk about Missouri State, you talk about what Creighton did last year in October and November. That's what Missouri State's doing right now. They don't, even, they probably don't even know what it's like to lose anymore because they've been on such a big winning streak, um, going undefeated in the Wichita State Less Valley. And, uh, what's the valley? <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, what is that? Shade. Wow, um, that's that thing that everybody used to go down to and yell and cheer and like was this home away from home for Creighton that turned into yeah. Kansas City. That that was fun. Yeah, good times. But uh, so yeah, Missouri State's top twenty-five, Michigan State's top fifteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have some big wins this year. They're a big physical team, that, the type that gives Creighton fits. And then obviously Coastal Carolina, the team that Creighton beat back in twenty fifteen to start their first ever Sweet 16 run in Chapel Hill. Um, so it's a definitely a tough first and second round regional, but, you know, the, there's definitely buzz around campus. Uh, you know, the the I watched a couple practices this week. Uh, they're definitely, there's a lot of energy in the gym. Um, you can tell they're fired up to, I mean, honestly, this is kind of what they were playing for the whole time. Not to say that the Big East was a waste of time, but sure. you can kind of see how, how and why they got a little complacent and didn't necessarily always put their A game out on the court against, you know, some of the perceived lesser competition, non teams that don't necessarily have strong RPIs. Um, but after coming through a non-conference like they did, you can kind of understand it. I mean, you go weekend after weekend where you're playing Kansas, Washington, Kentucky, USC, Northern Iowa, Iowa state, Wichita state. Uh, I mean, when you look at Wichita state, Iowa state, Kentucky, Washington, um, yeah, those four. That's four of their non-conference teams right there. Those are all they're all hosting along with Creighton. So I mean, they they were good when Creighton played them. They stayed good throughout the season. They didn't, you know, they weren't one of those teams where 
you play a team that has a name and then they kind of have a down year and they drop off. Like that was a gauntlet Creighton went through in the non-conference. So you can kind of understand how hungry Creighton was in the non-conference to get some marquee wins because they knew that's what kept them out of the top 16 last year. And then once they got to that point, they were like, well, you know, they will, it's not like they'll, they'll admit this, but I mean, you can kind of see how it's easy to get up for Kansas, but not get up for DePaul, even though they killed DePaul both times. But it's like, you know, it's one of those things where you don't need your A game every night in the Big East. Um, but they did enough, and now it's time to kind of re-flip the switch to, you know, that next step they wanted to get to the Final Four. Um, they were on the doorstep of it last year in Austin. But it's not going to be an easy road. When you talk about Coastal Carolina team that has a stud outside hitter that hit really well against Creighton back in 2015, um, I think she had – let me see what they had back then. She had 27 kills. Back in Chapel Hill when Creighton beat them in four sets in the first round. Um, and this year she's averaging 4.62 kills per set, hitting over 300, which is just – that's not human um, to have that many kills and to hit that high. So that's going to be a challenge. And then the winner of, you know, once they – if they get past that, then they have to deal with Michigan State, Missouri State winner. Um, and then if they make the Sweet 16, they're probably looking at Washington rematch out in State College. And then, oh, if you beat Washington, you're probably facing the best team in the country in Penn State, who has only lost one match all season, and that was to Nebraska. So, um, yeah, it's not going to be an easy road to Kansas City, but this is, you know, it, it like all those things kind of align. When you saw the Final Fours in Kansas City, when you saw how much talent Creighton had returning, how much experience, um, the fact that they were one win away from it last year, it's going to be interesting to see if they can – you know, kind of play the favorite a little bit because they're at home. So how do they handle the pressure of being under their, in their own gym versus having to kind of harness negative energy towards them and use it as a positive like they have before? It's going to be a little bit of a different dynamic. And sometimes that can work against you. So we'll see how it goes. But, you know, the t- ticket sold out in 20 minutes. Yeah, man. Um, Impossible to I was get told. a seat. So, yeah. So it's going to be – the gym's going to be jam-packed. It's going to be – you know, they're going to have no excuses for sure. Um, the environment's going to be crazy. It's all going to be about how they handle the emotion and how well they play. Sorry, that so, was an abrupt finish. No, that's great. A long ramble. No, it's good. You, that's really good. I was just taking a look. Not that not that you can get tickets, anyone listening to this, uh, although we might have a little bit of help for you here from White and Blue Review as we start to get some uh, a, a little bit of a contest together. So I'll talk about that in a second. But schedule-wise... Like you mentioned, Matt, Missouri State, Michigan State squaring off in that first game on Friday afternoon, 4.05 Central Time at DJ Sokol Arena, Coastal Carolina, and the Creighton Blue Jays will square off at 7 o'clock. 7.05 is the listed uh, start time for that second match of the day. And then the winners will square off at 6.05 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. So quite a I don't know Robbie Anderson was probably the first to in my feed at least to to tweet that's quite a Friday for uh for Creighton Athletics you host a regional or not a regional first and second round sites in um in volleyball Friday 405 705 central times and then about the time the Blue Jays will uh wrap up that Coastal Carolina match the men's basketball team will be out in Gonzaga uh, 9 o'clock tip central time for 
what's now a battle between two top 25 teams on ESPN2, maybe? ESPN? I can't remember. Anyway, one, yeah, of, the, so. one of the worldwide leaders, you know, uh, networks. One of the worldwide, they, one of the worldwide enough, leaders in layoffs. Yeah, as long as they have enough people to man the camera. <laughs> shit. Like, Rob <laughs> might have to do double duty and then carry a handheld or something. God. Well, Rob, Rob's going to be in Omaha with the volleyball team. Good. So it'll be Anthony Robinson out there doing right. the SID work for the Blue Jays. SID? Cool. Uh, SID work. Yeah, so we talked about it. I'll, I'll send something out uh, early Thursday, if not tonight. Um, so we were able, WBR got two tickets for this match. And we're going to run a little bit of a promotion to generate some more subscriptions for our newsletter that we've been trying to get off the ground here. Uh, a little grassroots effort. So whether you already subscribed to the newsletter and you can throw your hat into the ring by um, promoting and getting someone from your Blue Jay fan group to uh, subscribe that doesn't already or if you don't subscribe and you and you and you decide to take the plunge with us it's all free just gets you you know up-to-date information about what we're publishing on whiteandbluereview.com but we'll collect all those names we'll pull one out of the hat the proverbial internet hat, and then uh, somebody will get two tickets to the volleyball match on Friday. So that was pretty exciting to see. Yeah, and if anybody's worried about, I guess, the the volleyball running up against the men's basketball thing, I mean, if you're going to you know, any watch parties downtown or anything like that or you're worried about getting back to campus, if you're a student listening to this and wondering if you should get a ticket for the student section or not, you know, volleyball matches are typically, I mean, two and a half hours is – for it to run into the basketball game uh, will be pretty rare. So there's going to be plenty of time to both take in Creighton Coastal Carolina volleyball and, uh, you know, get situated for Creighton Gonzaga men's basketball. So yeah, if that's situated. like part of your apprehension at all about whether you should choose one or the other, you definitely have time for both. I promise you that. So what if you're one of no the founders? What if you're one of the found, founders of whiteandbrewview.com and you have a wedding to go to that starts at five thirty and is scheduled to go through the night? Uh, is it just a <laughs> wedding, or <laughs> or do you have obligations after that? I mean, it's wedding and reception, so yeah, my obligation. Yeah, will be you're sneaking probably a, that's... Sneak, sneaking a peek of Gonzaga Creighton on my phone and doing the same for the volleyball. But anyway. And my advice would be to have a TV for Creighton Gonzaga and Creighton Coastal Carolina will be on FS Go. So use your right. phone for one. Right. Use the TV for the other. Okay. We'll let you know how it goes. That sounds good. I'm we'll gonna, text you updates. I'm going to segue into this real quick and let you guys banter for a couple minutes. But um, speaking of Gonzaga, speaking of the Jays, they cracked the top 25 after a two-in-one week, a week that started with hanging a hondo on UCLA down in Kansas City. Matt, um, you were down there. I joined uh, the big throng of Jays fans Tuesday. Um, give everybody that wasn't down there a, a real good explanation, and uh, you know, outside of what they saw on TV, of just what that atmosphere was like down at the Sprint Center and the uh, the uh, perpendicular uh, establishments nearby during the course <laughs> of those couple of days. Well, I mean, it was kind of like a you know a trip back to St. Louis, I guess. Um, it was funny because walking into the arena, I knew that obviously Creighton had a lot of momentum from the Northwestern win. And that I, I heard there was kind of like a second wave of people that were going to come down to Kansas city because they're like, Oh, this Creighton team is pretty good. Let's go see him down in Kansas city. Um, you know, there was definitely like a Northwestern swing, if you will, um, after that game. So, but 
you know, you hear about that and you're not really sure what that means, like in numbers. Uh, but I, I got to Kansas City about, I got into the city like around rush hour time, you know, so I really didn't, I really didn't get situated at all. I kind of just went straight to the arena, uh, you know, I walked right in maybe 15 minutes before tip off type of deal. So I walk in and it's like, oh, that's, uh, that second wave of Northwestern, after the Northwestern game was legit because that lower bowl, which is basically where, you know, 97% of the crowd was, was about 93% blue for, and Creighton blue, not UCLA blue. So it was a big turnout of Jays fans. And, you know, when, when Mitch Ballack started getting going, um, you know, hitting some of those threes and, you know, obviously the game was exciting with it being up and down. Uh, yeah, it felt like a clink home game and asking, you know, Ronnie Harrell and Mitch and uh, Marcus after the game, they definitely echoed that sentiment that it felt like there was moments in the game where they kind of caught themselves thinking, where are we right now? Because it felt like it was back in Omaha. I don't know if that's how you guys read it or not. Did Joey did you go down there at all? No, I had tickets, but school prevented me from going down. Watched the game on TV, obviously, and it was it was so it, cool. It's so cool just to see Creighton and UCLA play. You know, I know yeah. sometimes we get caught up with, you know, the Big East and we have to act like, you know, you know, we're not a little brother anymore, which we're not, but it's just cool to see Creighton compete and excel past any kind of UCLA team. Uh, just seeing the name on their jersey. Yeah, and that's a brand. You know? That's a brand. Yeah, so that was really cool to see that. It was really cool to – Plus they uh, beat Alford, know. right? Like that's another yeah. – That just happens, doesn't that, it? That, 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 could, that, that could happen a thousand more times. That's death taxes and you know what. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, mean, I, I, I just – it was so I – w- I really wish I could have gone down because it's, it's – you know, the, the Valley Tournament and the Big East Tournament. I mean, whenever Jays fans get together, it's such a fun time and so – Seeing it on TV, it was definitely uh, definitely something I regretted I couldn't make down, but uh, it sounded super loud. It was obviously a huge home court advantage uh, for the Jays. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really cool. I thought they played really well. Um, yeah. Yeah, you get a couple shots to fall Tuesday night. I mean, we're talking big time oh, different yeah. changes. I mean, I mean, even... And I think that was kind of the, the mood. So a long time ago, I, I just resigned myself to saying if they play well Monday, we'll go down Tuesday night. And then after the Northwestern game, went home that night. Oh, Patrice, come on. We're going to we're gonna do this. We're going to go down Monday, too. And then, you know, real life. Did you take ca- the kids and everything? Real life catches up. No, we didn't. So real okay. life catches up. And then it's like we're back to sitting on the couch with the boys watching the UCLA game from our, from our, from our home on on Monday night, and you're just you're watching them, and they're playing well, and you're just like, man, I'm gonna make that drive tomorrow, <laughs> you know. So we thought, like, okay, real life was still in the way, but we said we'd sleep on it. And we woke up, we both looked at each other, like, well, we should pack our bags. <laughs> so we made the drive down, and having that nine o'clock tip, man, that helped a ton because you could pretty much put in a full day of work if you needed to, and then yeah. head down and still make it. So, you know, we showed up as they were playing our home intro song which was a great feeling right that's kind of goose bumpy you walk in and and they got the kanye going over the speaker and Kyrie's getting announced and then you look down you're like a guttural physical reaction to seeing those heinous baylor uniforms all the shit just flushes back over you from 2014 and you have an emotional all those those feels you have an emotional moment because then you look around you see they had to hire a high school band to play for them they only had family around for 
all intents and purposes right behind that Baylor bench in a small section. And then everything else was being amongst 5,000, 6,000 Creighton fans from the Century Lane. That's what it felt like, right? You know, when I first got there, I thought – I first got there and I looked around and I was sitting next to Alex Sindelar and we were both just like, let's give a ballpark number of what we think here. Yeah. I said, I said like four. And I, and he looked at me like I had just said like something in no, like a I'm different ter- language. Like he was like, yeah. no, it's way over five. No, I'm, yeah, I'm so, terrible with all those guesses. But what it felt like, because the aesthetics in that building, much the same way as it is at like the Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, all these kind of buildings that have been erected without a true home team in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just kind of that grayish industrialized sort of feel that feels a lot like the CenturyLink Center. And so you walk in and the aesthetics are kind of, I mean, aside from what's around the Sprint Center, which frankly, that was, I mean, I can see where people just have a fantastic time. And we yeah. stopped into the no other pub place, the Sporting KC bar right before oh, the game. So and, cool. and it was cool. That I is mean, the, I felt like, shit, spot. that place was huge. And there were more Jays fans in there it than there were at the so start big. of the basketball game. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I was down in KC the week before that for a wedding. And we went down to that bar and I was like, next week when Creighton is down here, <laughs> right. this is going to be the spot. And oh, it man. Was, that's such a cool arena, uh, area. Uh, you know? Imagine if Booth and the company make a final. That's four what I'm talking about. There. And there's like a title sure. on the line. So, oh yeah, that'd be that is that is the call, right? So there. anyway, like they they played how they played. They get up twelve. Again, they have a chance with some. They just miss so many shots that you're just like. I mean, they had a chance to blow it open in the first half. Like they could have. They could have blown it open the first half. They could have extended yeah. in the second. And you just, yep. you know, I didn't. I was purposely just not on my phone a bunch that night and wasn't tracking what I knew down deep was a really cold streak from three. But the fact that they missed whatever it was like 15 straight threes and it's just, you get a couple of those to go at a different point in the game Mm -hmm. and it changes the run that Baylor was able, because it wasn't like Baylor was making this intensified crazy run, right? It was just, they were the beneficiaries of Creighton going stone cold and Baylor every once in a while would pick up. I mean, because Creighton's defense still was really solid. They held them to 65. Um, I thought they did a really. I mean, Kyrie was just all world that yeah, night Le- defensively. Le- 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 that dude. But, but <laughs> so that's like, a, so that's like, a, I don't know if you guys are like uh, boxing or fighting fans are all like. Yeah. Or, or, I don't know if you are, but um, there was a possession where obviously Kyrie's guarding Lacombe and he's bringing the ball across half court, and he's kind of like surveying and sizing things up. Like they're not in any rush to get into offense. Obviously, they wanted to slow the game down into his. You know, they wanted to limit this game to as many little possessions as possible. So he's taking his time. He's kind of like, you know, being all casual with the dribble and things like that. And, you know, Kyrie's not really checking him, but he's like in front of him. And LeCop thinks he's like at a safe distance. <laughs> and it was, like, it, it was like the sign to me that like Kyrie told him essentially set the tone for the rest of the game. He's like, I can get you anytime I want. And he is probably <laughs> – you know, a good four feet away, maybe it looks like he's not even trying to put pressure on him. And LeCompte is just getting casual, and all of a sudden, Kyrie pokes the ball across <laughs> half court. Right. Okay, so LeCompte gets it, and he's like, All right, well, I'm just gonna take it at this dude. And he drives past Kyrie, he like beats him to you know the right and everything like that. And he goes to the rim, and Kyrie comes down with the other with the left arm and rakes it across LeCompte's face and strips the ball clean off his leg. Leads to a transition layup that Kyrie missed, and then Marcus Foster dunked it behind him. But it yeah. was like that was the moment where Lacomp was like, 
had to have gone to Coach Drew and like, yeah, dude, I'm not getting anything tonight. You better find it, uh, an option too to score. So or one of their, their being, yeah. or one of their 25 assistant coaches they had back there. What the frick is oh, that? Oh man. man, like seriously, I don't know. I don't know how Baylor did not get teed up multiple times because they had some guy right that was like in a warm up. Like I think he's a player, but I don't know. But every time like there was a call, like he lost his mind, like on the court, like making gestures, and I'm like. If a ref sees him, he's getting tossed. Like I could just—he yeah. just kept jumping in front of us, like doing that. I was like, "Wow." Baylor gets away yeah, with the, a lot the, of stuff. The, right? the overall I point mean... was that Kyrie got in that dude's head right away from the yeah. jump, and like the second half, he was just like, "Yeah, you better set like two or three screens because I'm not getting a shot up if I have to do this myself." Yeah, but Scott, you know, I I hate Baylor just as much as the next Creighton fan, but Baylor made the right adjustments. Oh yeah, yeah Creighton, Creighton missed shots, but I mean, King McClure and some of the some of their role mm-hmm. players. Those guys stepped up and made plays, and For sure. and kind of kind of going back to what you were talking about, you know that Northwestern game when Creighton was playing Northwestern, I was so nervous during that game because I thought this is a good measuring stick for how Creighton's going to be for the rest of the year, and although and 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 what they showed me at Northwestern was that they're really going to be able to compete with a lot of the, almost every team on their schedule this year, and they'll they'll get blown out or you know lose games, but for the most part when they when they when they're focused, I feel like they can beat any team on their schedule. And so while it was disappointing to lose to Baylor or, you know, it was awesome to beat UCLA, I just think that Creighton's going to have cold nights from three like they did against Baylor, and those nights they're probably going to lose. However, on, on, on the, the majority of their games when they're just clicking a little bit better offensively, they're going to be extremely tough to beat. And that's – I mean, that, that's – Creighton was going to beat Baylor if they made a couple more shots, and they didn't. Yep. So it's, it's been well run by everybody on, you know, the podcast here and Boss show, but – Creighton makes a couple more shots and they beat Baylor. And we're talking about, you know, how great this team is versus, you know, how, how lethargic they were, you know, in the second half. But I just am so, I'm so optimistic for this team. And it really stems from that Northwestern when they just showed me so much character in that game. I might feel differently if they go get run out of the gym by Gonzaga, but, um, which could happen, you know, which could happen. I, you know, I was looking at the Gonzaga game thinking that's a game Creighton's going to steal. They lost so many pieces and they have yeah. so many question marks. But, but if you watch if you watch Gonzaga Florida, which is the best game of the year so far, mm-hmm. if you watch that game, it was amazing. And Gonzaga's got shot makers that I didn't know they had. Uh-huh. And they're going to be they're going to be so tough to beat on Friday. Honestly, I've like I've seen Villanova a couple times already. I've seen Gonzaga three times. Gonzaga's I've, better than Villanova. Yeah. I I think Gonzaga's the best team on Creighton's schedule. Yes, like, they, no disrespect to Jay Wright, but that's it. I mean, and it's kind of funny because Gonzaga is going to play Creighton, and then they're going to turn around and play Nova right after. Like that. Villanova, yeah, yeah. So like, that's gonna I might might have to come back and bite me on that one. But I I believe just based on what I've seen so far that this is going to be the toughest game Creighton plays all season. So, and and, and the teams might be different. Gonzaga in December might be different than Gonzaga in March. They Gonzaga, Gonzaga, you're disrespecting them. They're going to kick Creighton's ass. Like, come on, whatever, whatever. <laughs> all I know, all I know is that Villanova, Villanova come March, I feel like, while while. You know, I might take Gonzaga over Villanova in December, but in March, I just think that Jay Wright gets his teams ready to go. His order in set. March? Yeah, I think so. Oh boy, Joey. What? Because they lost to NC State in the tournament one year. He's not a good coach. And, and UConn and Wisconsin. And... <laughs> hey, they got a trophy, man. They got a trophy. That's, they, they do. They, 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 they got. They got like, he sold his soul dude, for one. He got one dude, for sure. Do you remember what we what we've That's talked about that? that like, that will I go stand out on 72nd and Dodge for a year straight? 
yeah you know new panhandling rules be damned we'll have to take that into consideration but if i could get a great national championship i would live there for a year we've already discussed this who was who was saying it last year like someone was like someone was so frustrated last year after like the after rhode island game and they were like you know just freaking out and wondering about mac and all this stuff like that and i'm like i mean kind of keep the season in perspective and all this stuff like that and i was like would you i was like who would you rather trade it with like what if you would you would you want to trade it with Xavier where they almost didn't make the tournament, made the lead eight, and they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, well, that seems kind of stressful, but um, <laughs> so. And then I was like, and then I was like, well, what would happen if like, how, how would your standards change if you if Creighton won a national championship? And they're like, if Creighton won the national championship, I wouldn't even care what the next twenty years looked like. And I was like, wow. So yeah, that's kind of the thought process. Like, just get a ship and see what happens after that. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's what Husker fans. That's what Husker fans said in '97. Yeah, yeah. Look at him now. Yeah, 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 there you go. Like and then we're gonna have to convince Kyrie Thomas to come back and coach us. God dang it! <laughs> no, Doug Kyrie, Dermot. Kyrie, Dermot. Kyrie what? Yeah. Doug didn't win a national no, championship, but Kyrie staff, still has that in front staff. of him. Ricky Kreklo, Grant Gibbs, Tyler <laughs> Clement, Dermot, Kyle Corver, and Doctor Matt, yeah. Doctor Matt Dorler. Wow, Doctor Matt. Wow! Isn't it Doctor Dan Colder? What is Dan, Dan Colder? Dan Colder's a doctor. Oh, he is. well, that's so a doctor. Is, uh, so is uh, oh, yeah, Dusty okay. Sitzman. I saw him on one of the reports I read. He's an anesthesiologist. So Damn. all all Creighton, all Creighton basketball players are basketball players than doctors. Like this. Yeah, that's probably true. Naturally. Hey, at least we're not uh, mass murderers like the kid that played at St. John's for a year. Apparently. Yeah. What is that? Man, all about? Like, man, he would have had a great NBA career if he wasn't a killer. Wow. It's like mur- murder or NBA, tough call. He was part of that Steve Lavin warm body uh warm body crew with the seven players back in you know before right. we were before we were in the league or whatever it was. Oh my god, Lavin's I know, a couple years that, ago. that guy had loves dollar beers, man. Wow. I'm excited to see him I, He cannot I think stop that's great. About that. I love that though. I love that. He's but it makes you wonder uh, it makes you wonder what the rest of the country is doing. Like I didn't think that was that novel of an idea and it's like he heard about it. And he's like, "What?" He just lost his mind over it. Like, I thought that was pretty routine, but apparently, it's... let's let's be honest. He, he's he's uh he's positioning himself for a uh, for a coaching gig once Mac retires yeah, after buddy. winning the national title. <laughs> that's all we need is like him pounding dollar beers before big games against Nebraska or something. Hey, like don't think that's never happened on a coaching staff <laughs> in the country, right? <laughs> right. Um, can I just uh, we, just I, give I me like one second? Zags at all, like. I don't know. They're, I mean, they're a big team, obviously. That's going to be an issue. They play some zone. They played zone out in Portland a few times, so Creighton's going to see some of that. Yeah, I mean, um, I know that everybody kind of rails on their schedule a bit, um, but, I mean, they've obviously, like Joey said, that game was insane against Florida. They've had some games already now against some good competition, so it's not like, like – I don't know. I just I keep coming back to my perspective on this game. If you would have told me six, seven years ago – that the Jays were going to play Gonzaga in Spokane. I mean, not only would we have been beside ourselves with excitement to get a home and home with them, although that probably wouldn't have happened at that point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that would have guaranteed be our best by a long shot non-conference game, right? And so, right, right. the proverbial all the eggs in this basket scenario. You get freaked out, Dana coaching tight, all the you know, it just gets nuts and. And now it's like it's you hate to say that it's old hat because it sounds negative, but man, like our expectations have changed as a program to the type of quality opponents that we see night in and night out from the last week of December all the way through March. And, you know, we're signing decent non-conference games more times than not when we want to. 
Um, so I don't know. I think like again, good litmus test out here. It'll be interesting to see how we match up against a team with this personnel. Fuse a hell of a I mean, coach. And can you remember any time it's like a? I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, you obviously grew up a Creighton fan, so like. I can't remember a time where they played four top twenty-five teams in seven games. No. Like that's a, that's an no. insane stretch for a non-conference. No, like not, I know people. I know people aren't happy with. Like, I think people will criticize the home slate a little bit because that's what they pay for. But yeah, you know when you talk about the gauntlet they are going through right here. I mean, that's uh, you know has, has Northwestern been a little bit uh, down since our game? Sure. Yeah. Um. So, but, but, I mean, but Creighton it, still did what they needed. Yeah. As far as like getting what they needed to get out of that game, when Creighton won that game, it was a big deal. So Creighton was like, they got a lot of pub from it. Kyrie got some national attention. Like, even if that doesn't turn out to help them in March, maybe it still helped well, them out. And it's know, better right than now. a loss so, like, to them, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, you right, take right, it right, over right. a loss. But what I mean is, uh, no. To answer your question, I mean, no, we never had those games. I mean, you remember how head over heels people were when. <laughs> the year after we, we Funk, got we got to Paul we got to that's exactly the game I was thinking of Joey really Friday night opener season Friday like, night home oh, opener to Paul and everybody's like that. oh my god Big East what are we gonna do like dude that team sucked like P yeah. debut yeah and P went yeah, crazy yeah. after breakout best game last yeah, game man. I mean we were pumped because it was against like this eighth place. 10th place team in like a 16 team Big East or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember. So, yeah, I mean, things have changed and I think it's great that we don't necessarily have to pin all of our at large hopes on a road game in Spokane where we could either go out there and win or if we lost it by double digits, I don't think anybody would be surprised either. Right. I mean, that team's that good out there and their personnel Mm -hmm. year in and year out reloads. I mean, we're talking about last year's national runners up. Mark few doesn't exactly have a bunch of like, terrible recruiting classes roll up to Spokane nowadays so uh, I gotta imagine that they're just based on what I've seen a little bit but certainly pedigree wise they're gonna be ready to roll and the atmosphere out there is gonna be nuts I've talked to a couple of Creighton fans going out and uh, one of them oh, lives really? out one of them lives out in Spokane and um, when he made the move out there he got on the Gonzaga like ticket watch lists and all this stuff right because it's such a small venue you just kind of have to wait for something to open up and eventually all these teams that they play in the non-conference especially too like tickets will pop up if every once in a while i said there hasn't been a sniff of any tickets available for this game for quite some time because those fans out there know what's up i mean they're great it's a great basketball town um great following for their not only their team but they realize it too they don't get a ton of great non-conference games out there if memory serves Mm -hmm. correct so yep you know they're gonna they're used to having to travel to neutral courts and going up to seattle and doing all those different things on their non-conference stuff so it's a good one and creighton's i know we're a cool school according to joey but uh it's still kind of an up-and-coming brand i'd think nationally um you know it's not like they'll be having duke come to the kennel uh, this week, but the people in the know out there know that this is a big game for them as well and a nice uh, test for them. So should be good. Yeah, it'll be fun. Fun. It'll be a fun weekend, really. Yeah, hopefully everything. Unless, it all, unless it all goes sideways, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I might, be a, might, not be, might not be a fun Monday. I mean, I kind of want to talk about volleyball, volleyball more next week and the week after that, right? So yeah. hopefully uh, things fall into place. But 
Anything else, you guys? Uh, I know we need to give Flans team some love. I feel bad they had a they had a they had a go of things down in Vegas a bit. I don't know, Matt, if you've been able to connect with them at all. I know they've been out yeah. of town, but uh, you know they absolutely just decimated Nebraska, which is always nice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going on with Flans program uh, other than him just getting more amazing freshmen to to step up and <laughs> you know? I know, right? It's amazing. I guess, you know, he, he thought they played all right in Vegas. I don't think he was happy with the Washington game, but th- that one was kind of wonky. I mean, there was, like when we talk about live stats not working, we kind of just complain as, uh, you know, as fans or media that we don't have an ability to have, you know, proper context to what we're seeing. But they didn't have live stats working for, like, anybody. Like, the coaches <laughs> didn't have any stats. Sweet. The broadcasters had no stats. Like, it was just – I mean, the only thing they were pretty much keeping track of was fouls, essentially. Like, there was no stats whatsoever. So, it's not like, you know, the coaches were like, oh, yeah, this kid's killing us. She's, you know, seven for eight or something like that. Like, yeah, they had no – there was nothing. It was pretty much just flying by the seat of their pants. So, But I think free throws were like 23 to four or something like that in favor of Washington. Um, So, Flynn obviously wasn't happy about that. But he's like, you know, they had a chance to take the lead or tie the game or take the lead at the free throw line late. They had a chance to hit a layup to take the lead late. So, I mean, there were chances to win that game. Um, they just missed those opportunities. And then, obviously, the next game was the hard one um, against, you know, number five UCLA. So, um, but the Jays got off to a hot start in that one. They actually led after the first quarter. So, um, you know, they played well. Even though they didn't get wins, they played well. So, you know, you'd like to see them get a non-conference win to, in, you know, at least go one and one to kind of help out the resume. But... You know, there's not they're not devoid they're not void of opportunities left after that. They have, you know, Florida State coming in. Um, they got South Dakota State on still left. They've got uh, Drake coming up. So I mean, there's going to be some chances left to get some resume wins here before Big East play starts, which obviously has resume wins inside that with Villanova, Marquette, DePaul, mm-hmm. things like that. So um, yeah, I think they like what they're getting out of the two freshmen, Temi uh, Sarda and Tatum Rimbau. Tatum Rimbau is obviously Big East Freshman of the Week on the women's side, along with Mitch Ballack on the men's side. So can kind of rename that thing after Creighton, at least in the short term so far. For sure. um, so they're playing well. It's kind of funny the way you know Tatum snagged a Freshman of the Week award because three weeks ago she was redshirting. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so Crazy. It's, one those, it's one of those things where she kind of bet on herself, really. Um, obviously, the, pe- the thing about redshirting that I laugh about every year is you get these kids, they come on campus and people take a look at them and they essentially assess like an evaluation of them just based on physical performance and things like that. And they're like, yeah, that person needs a year of development with the, where it doesn't count against their eligibility. So they'll automatically peg red shirts on these kids as they come in, which I understand it's like the nature of the beast. And like you want to maximize your recruits. So you figure yeah, redshirt a Jacob Epperson and redshirt a Tatum Rimbaud and redshirt a Jalen Agnew and then get these kids four years where they can just ball out type of deal. But people forget that it's the kid's decision. Like, that's not just, like, a roster decision. It's not like where a coach can go, you're redshirting, sit down, you're not playing. It's, hey, we think you should redshirt. Here's why. It's your call. Hey, do an extra year of school. 
Yeah, well. exactly. Right. Like, yeah. Study hey, for you five like years school? Hey, yeah. yeah. Right, you're gonna be right. in school for five years, mm-hmm. not four, while you're doing this really hard extra- extracurricular activity as well. So, right. Now, has yeah. it paid off? Uh, yes, Justin Patton, absolutely first round draft pick. Uh, Jalen Agnew, absolute stud right now. Way better basketball player than she was as a true freshman when. Uh, they, which she could hardly dribble and she couldn't shoot all that well. Like now, those are not even weaknesses anymore; they're strengths. So, her redshirt and season and development obviously paid off. Tatum was a little bit different, and I kind of knew it. Just, I'm not gonna say I knew it, but like you can see the look in her eye that she's just a flat out ready to go competitor. I, I, I call it like the the fu face. You know what I mean? You just see that on athletes sometimes where they just got that look in their eye, like. They might not always make the perfect decision. They'll make some mistakes. They'll probably cost you some games. They'll definitely make mistakes defensively that compromise the whole deal and give up a wide-open three or a layup and things like that. But everything they do on the court or the playing service is going to be to help winning because they just think they can – you know, they have full confidence in their abilities. And that's what Tatum did. She, You know, they wanted her to redshirt. But when Flam went to her to say, look, we have – a ton of guards, a ton of wings. We've got Jade Owens, who is kind of progressing from her hip injury a little faster. That's funny to say now, but a little faster this year than they probably anticipated. She's kind of close to coming back. And then we've got Olivia Elder, who's you know ready to come in and play some minutes for us. Um, we don't know if you're necessarily going to get playing time, so you don't, we don't want you to waste a year on the bench. Uh, she said no. She said she doesn't want to register. She wants to play this year. Okay, so you put her on the court, and you know, two, three weeks later, she's the freshman of the week in the Big East. Like, right. you, she she bet on herself, and it paid off. And I think, you know, she kind of impressed the coaching staff with, you know, with just her competitiveness. And you know, while she's not a perfect basketball player, and she's definitely mistake prone because of her style of play, um, which is just one hundred percent fly by the seat of her pants and see what she can make happen. It also is more good than it is bad. So um, she's definitely reaping the benefits so far of, you know, her belief in herself and just flat out telling the coaching staff that she feels like she can compete in practice and earn a role um, and provide production for, you know, the team in games and help them win this year instead of waiting a year to do it. So props to her for making that decision at 18, having the confidence to do that and then making it pay off early on. For sure. So her and Balak, freshman of the week in the Big East, Future's bright. We got Australians coming to campus to check us out. We got, you know, the Kyrie Thomas Kyrie fence tour taking the nation by storm. Things are looking up on both ends of the basketball spectrum. And Have you guys got... seen his assignment for Friday? By the way, no. Josh Perkins. Who's he guarding? He's insane. Oh, he's per- guarding Perkins. Yeah, Josh. So Josh Perkins. In case you, if you're wondering what Josh Perkins is all about, Josh Perkins is a 15, you know, 15 five, 15 and five guy. And he's shooting 53% on eight three-point attempts a game. And if you're wondering for context how good that is, Doug and Ethan were around 45-47% on around six attempts per game as seniors. So, no, Josh Perkins is good. Yeah, no, he's yeah, he's he's a freak. He's a tough shot maker too. So, Kyrie might like lock him completely up, and he'll still bust a shot in his face. Yeah, and then can I, can just, and then Chris yeah. Collins will let us know about it or whatever, but. Hey, can I just can I just go over a couple of Big East things while we're, while we're talking Big East? Marcus Howard, you're going to talk about Marcus tonight? Yeah, so Marcus Howard Damn. and Andrew Rousey 
our, our 17 for 27 from three tonight. <laughs> what? That's a whopping 63%. That beats, ba- um, that beats Baylor Mark, by themselves. Mark Howard uh, is 11 for 15. He's 0 for 1 from field goal range. He's 11 for 15 from three. 11. What? He's 11 triples points. tonight. Yeah, and are they, so are they playing Nebraska? Who are they playing? Damn. They're playing Chicago State in the Scotty the Scotty Pippen team or whatever. You know, he's yeah. eleven for fifteen from three. Eleven yeah. for fifteen. One for one from the field. Eleven from fifteen from three. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god! Really. So just well, FYI. I mean, he, however, he's, he's got to up his averages before Kyrie gets a hold of them. So probably yeah, no, he's, he's the best three point shooter in the in the country, in my opinion. He's the best. Yeah, he's Howard. he's lights out. Yeah. No, no, and just quick on Marquette, they lost Hanif Cheatham uh, earlier this week. Mm-hmm. He decided to transfer randomly, and Matt and I were having a discussion about this prior to starting the pod. It just seems like every year Marquette loses a guy randomly mid-year, and it just puts them in a hole. They're going to get that falling kid at mid-year, but still, their bench is looking kind of kind of meek. So, so watch that space with Marquette, and then Emmett Holtz, I think, for Providence is out for the year too. He just out for the year, he's yeah. A big injury. So Providence, who was looking salty, especially in their front line, uh, holds wait, a big loss for them. So. Wait, repeat that name. Who was it? Isn't Emmett it Holt. Emmett Holt? Oh yeah. yeah! Oh boy! I think the guy, it was a JUCO that's... transfer for them. The guy, the guy Creighton decided not yeah, to was... guard, and he hit like five threes. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that made all right. those threes for mm-hmm. yeah against against Creighton. Yeah, he was not. He's not a three point shooter. But there's no. playing he's under a... screens, and then there's completely not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, to anybody I mean the, the yeah. idea was like, well, he's like a thirty percent three point shooter, so we won't guard him. It's like, well, yeah, thirty percent unguarded turns into sixty percent. <laughs> right. So that's kind of that's like watching there. guys hit home runs in batting practice, correct? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, I'll take this. Thank you. So, I mean, Providence has still, still got a pretty solid roster, but, I mean. Yeah, but I don't so. feel as good about them now. No, as neither as do I. Although, you know. they. I still I, like Kyron Cartwright. I still feel like he's going to put together a spectacular year. That uh, Yeah, but that, that Belmont game, they really struggled. And they've struggled in some yeah. of their games. They struggled tonight against Ryder. Ryder, Ryder. Yeah, so. Yeah. Easy and, Ryder. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll see. Ryder. They're going to play us tough, but just, just a couple of glances around the Big East. They always and, play us tough. And our Georgetown Hoyas. They're bullies. Um, that's why. They, they our Georgetown Hoyas beat Richmond. You guys were so, neg- you know, you guys. Richmond there was no sucks, way. Joey. Yeah, you, at, the beginning, at the beginning of the year, you, we were going through their roster or their, their non-conference. You guys were like, that's a loss. Richmond Spiders, they're good. They're going to lose to Richmond on the road. Yeah, they right. won by six. And six. That was the, only road, the only road game they'll have all non-conference, those Patrick Ewing Hoyas. So they're going to know. Do you want to know? Do you want to know the highlight of Georgetown's basketball season will be? The highlight of their basketball season will be beating us, beating us in front of three hundred fans. No, it'll be my physical reaction to seeing Pat Ewing walk out in front of me in my (laughs) seats. That's going to be the highlight of their season. Like they're going to get so much joy from the joy that they're going to bring me. Do you know what I understand? I've, mm-hmm. I no, I got gotcha. you. I was, I've, I've watched Mullen coach on the sidelines, or just sit there and act like he's gonna coach. Yeah, use no, the yeah, airplanes, dude. Use the airplanes. Uh, 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 on your, on the, coach on the, on the, t- the sidelines. <laughs> on the TV, I watch Patrick Ewing as the game's going on. That guy just, just stares at the game. I don't know what he's doing <laughs> or coaching. I, I just, and I don't, I'm not a basketball coach, so I don't know what you're supposed to be yelling or pointing to. He's a better, that guy, he's a better coach that than guy Mullen, just, though. Like, that's, that guy that's just stares at the play there's, going on. There's so a lot know. of stuff. Like, if you're Jay Wright, you're supposed to curse about everything even though your team gets every call. If you're Chris Mack, you're supposed to curse about everything because you feel like yeah, the world is against you. Yeah, Mullen, right. Mullen, Mullen just Mullen, sits back and did laughs. You, not did, interested. Did you guys watch, you guys watch St. John's, Nebraska at all? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like the first couple <laughs> possessions of the second half, Nebraska like went into zone and like threw St. John's off, and like they scored like four or five points in a row to cut the lead to like 
eighty or something like that. And uh, <laughs> and and so Mullen like calls a timeout and like you know he gives his guys the riot act and then they come back from commercial and they go to a close up on Mullen just like still talking to his guys and like look I'm not like a master expert at reading lists but it's not hard to read the f word like it's right. just a word you know when you when it comes out you're like that's what he said and he literally every like second word out of his mouth is f f f f like let's f and go get in the f and game like f that f this f that like, but imagine how is that that's that. not like strategic advice no. like guys tune that stuff out like when your parents are yelling at you and they're cursing at you you don't listen to that like that's just yeah mom's mad like and this you know. is this is where whether it's I mean, think about it. You got two members of the freaking dream team that are coaches in our league, right? Oh, my God. These are the quintessential Mount Rushmore-ish basketball players in in professional NBA basketball. We're talking, you know, top 50 guys ever, whatever, top 100, you know, whatever it is. So my, my thought, my question is, how does someone who is so great at that sport, at the pinnacle of pinnacles in that sport coach a bunch of kids that'll never be that good and not get so frustrated that all you do is turn to drop an f-bombs all the time he can't right. teach those yeah, kids like, to shoot like him he yeah. can't teach those kids to score like he did pat ewing can't mm-hmm. teach those kids to be seven foot three and 300 pounds of just <laughs> raw and steel. choking the playoffs and like yeah, yeah. and wear <laughs> sweet yeah. volleyball knee pads and stuff like <laughs> You know, you can't do that. Double double wristbands and a flat top. Oh, man. It was like a walking <laughs> Fila commercial all the time. But, like, you can't. Walking Fila. Fila's, man. Yes. You can't <laughs> coach those guys to be like you. So, inevitably, like, why would you do this? There's it would just, be yeah, exactly. so frustrating. It would be so. It, oh, I just can't. It makes me frustrated for them. How do you think, how do you think like, someone like MJ like feels about his kids? Like No shit. You know, Marcus tried to ball out, and like he came here. He came Central here Florida, Florida team, and he was like, he was like the third best player on Central Florida, and like they got run. The only thing that by, stood out about Doug him was that like, he was wearing rec specs, dude. Yeah. That was the whole point of his game, right? <laughs> right. And everybody's like, "Is MJ in the crowd?" Like, hell no, he's not in the crowd. He doesn't want to watch that crap. Right. Like, yeah, I'm gonna watch my son be up. Hang out with my 20 year old Cuban wife. God, <laughs> damn. Like, no, I'm not gonna go to a Central Florida basketball yeah. game, dude. No, I ain't flying to Omaha for the CBI to watch Marcus go. For this, he's like, what's a CBI? <laughs> what's a CBI? What's that, that? You know, so I can he can like, like suit up and play in that and still drop 30 on Creighton. Like, right. Like, or oh, like when he was working for the, the Bullets or whatever they're called, the Wizards now, and he mm-hmm. just like embarrassed Brendan Haywood to the – wasn't it Haywood or Hayward or whoever no, it was? No, Brown. Oh, Kwame Brown. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he Ruins just destroyed that guy. Ruined him. Mentally, like his career was never the same. Mentally, physically, he was the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. And MJ yeah. was just like, I picked you. You were the pick, and I'm still going to destroy you. <laughs> like, that's yeah. how competitive will, that will, guy is. Re- I will so, hey. You will you'll either be a better man from this, or you will be nothing. So, hey, MJ, go coach a college team of guys that can't shoot. Like, sweet, man, I'm there. Or, no, <laughs> that sounds like a uh, level of hell. in a couple years. What? Right. Not next next year. DePaul will be open this year, or maybe next year. Ooh, there you go. I he thought they were just going to give Tiger. In, boy. I thought they'd just give Tiger the player coach status, and he can just do whatever he wants to do, right? Yeah. So, is that who's up player for him? Coach. That's pretty funny. Okay, we've we've gone an hour. We've devolved. Yeah. Um, yeah let's call it a night. Was... Joey's got some studying to do. I gotta put some. You know, make sure the kids are 
tucked in and whatnot, but watch Nebraska okay. blow this game over the course of the next five and a half minutes, whatever. Uh, guys, really appreciate you tonight um, joining the joining the show, being the being the skeletal parts and the the flesh and blood to this show, and um, giving Jays fans what they want. Right, the crazy Jays Jays fans just need more. Just need more coverage. Need more fodder. Just need less, so. less Scott Frost and more Jays. Yeah, the baby. So for Matt DeMoranis, for Joey Tempo, I'm Brian Ott. I want to thank you guys all for listening. Tell your friends about us as basketball season here heats up and as the volleyball teams run to the Sprint Center in Kansas City takes full bore this weekend in Omaha. Make sure everybody out there that you're watching Jays games with and Jays matches with knows about us so you guys can all make fun of us together. When you listen to the podcast and and instead of just, you know, having to, to grimace when you listen to it on your own. So, Absolutely. again, thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Have a great rest of your week, and go Jays.